right, good morning, everybody. Hopefully you can hear me. Welcome to episode 172, Wednesday, August 10th, live from Las Vegas, Black Hat. This is Simply Cyber's Daily Cyber Threat Briefing. I'm your host, Dr. Gerald Ozier, and over the next 30 minutes, I'll be delivering the top cybersecurity news stories of the day and explaining to you what they mean as a practitioner. So how can you operationalize them? And if you're looking to break into the industry, a lot of value going to be here for you as well. Let me know in chat if you can hear me. Uh, obviously, I'm working from a very different uh, studio today. Um, kind of set it up a little bit, so it looks kind of cool. Uh, but it's if this is not you know my ideal setting. Not to mention, I've got one 20 you know 17 inch monitor that I'm running a whole show on, which is not ideal either. Shout out and thanks. Oh, hold on. See, see, like here's here's issue number one, right? Like the resol the I'm too zoomed in, so we can't even see our wonderful sponsor, Barricade Cyber Solution. Okay, guys, check it out. Barricade Cyber Solution, right here. My man, Eric Taylor and his gang. Cyber criminals have stolen your company's data and derailed your business operations, Barricade Cyber Solutions will help you resolve this ransomware attack and more importantly, get your business back on track. Love what they're doing over there. If you don't have a plan for when your company gets hit with ransomware, you don't have to be the CISO for this, right? You could be the person who just brings this up in a meeting, like, hey, if we get hit with ransomware, what do we do? Uh, if you don't have a good answer for that or if you did a tabletop exercise and you found out that you don't have a plan, you can go over to barricadecyber.com and schedule a no obligation, easy, easy going conversation with my man, Eric, and talk about what to do. Now, I want to remind everybody, if you hold professional certifications that require CPs, guys, I, let me get my coffee. Like, I may, Hold on. I'll explain this whole thing in a second. I, I need the coffee, though. Okay, listen, I want to remind you, if you hold professional certifications that require CPEs, each episode of the Daily Cyber Threat Briefing is worth half a CPE. So that stacks up, right? We're talking uh, two and a half a week, 10 a month, right? So be sure to say what's up in chat so you can so you can um, have you know forensically sound, auditable evidence that you were in fact here. Hashtag Team Live. Uh, if you're on the West Coast, like I am right now, West Coast time zone, you know, it's 5 a.m., um, but we're here live, hashtag team life. If you're watching on replay, be sure to drop hashtag team replay in chat, obviously, because, um, you want to have that forensically sound evidence. It doesn't need to be burned into the stream itself, but I don't delete comments unless they're like only fans ads or something like that. So, um, you'll have that forensically sound evidence and then you can, um, you know, basically bulk put in that you're doing the daily cyber threat briefing. I would go with 10 a month. I feel like that's a pretty good practice. If you are live, there's 84 of you. Um, I appreciate that right now. Many more coming on other channels. I don't get metrics on that. But if you're watching on replay and you want to jump to the news, when this placard card here <clears throat> turns to the news, uh, we're off and running. But for the next, you know, so you can jump ahead because you have the, it's a recording, right? But if you're here with me live right now, you know what we do. You know what we do every morning. Couple minutes, have some coffee, welcome everybody, talk about what's going on here, and then we jump right into the news. Okay, so 
Um, I'll leave it at that and let's say good morning to everybody. I can now see the chat, see the comments. Um, what do you think, guys? I got the little uh, Ferris wheel party bus on Ferris wheel action up there. Uh, what's up, War uh, Will Reed? What's up, Annalyn? Good to see you guys, Parker. Hey, Sasha. Good to see you. The card's a bit too long. Yeah. You know, I, I'm, I would say that the, for the daily cyber threat briefing while I'm on real remote location is going to be operating at like 80% capacity. You will get 100% of the top stories of the day. Uh, but, but the quality of the overall entertainment piece of it, the production, the, the framing, the camera, my mic, the audio of the podcast, which is TBD, that's going to take a small hit. What's up, Dallas? Good to see you, Scotty Harris. Munchkin, Team Coffee, you damn right. So listen, I ended up packing an electric kettle and I got those Starbucks uh, rip and pour instant coffee things. No sugar. It's fine. This is fine. This is fine. <laughs> and not the, the guy with the house on fire. This is fine. Here's the deal. You There's, there's no coffee shops open. And, and I'm not going to walk 20 minutes to get a cup of coffee. Like, I'm like, no, like I just, this works. Again, you know what? The coffee, it's 80% of what I want. That's what we're doing. We're doing the 80. You'll get full credit for the CPEs, but you'll get 80% of the production value. But this is how we roll. Uh, I'll have to go back and look at um, what Jack said about RSAC. The thing is, I don't have a microwave. I don't have, I don't have any way to get hot water. Um, and there's no, um, what's it called? Housekeeping? No. Um, the people who bring you food to your room, I can't even think right now. Um, that doesn't start till 6 a.m. In Vegas, of all places. Really? you think it would be 24-7, but. All right, guys. Um, I'm just going to, real quick, because we're going to have to audio test this. The podcast, I can't, I could play it through my audio the way I did it when I was in Massachusetts. But I have downloaded the MP3 of the video, uh, excuse me, of the audio. Yeah, room service. Jesus. Um, I've downloaded the podcast, right? And I'm going to play it through the Restream platform. It did not seem like I had any ability to control the volume one way or the other. So I'm going to play like five seconds of the podcast. And you guys tell me if it's too loud, too soft. I want to dial it in because, but I just, I don't, you guys are my production AV studio, uh, engineers. Okay. So ready? I'm just going to really quickly play five seconds and then we're going to, we're going to dial this in. What the hell? Oh, hold on. Hold on. All right. How did that, how did that sound good? That sounded good. The audio was good. The audio is at seven right now on the podcast. I can hear it perfectly fine. Do I have Discord up? Mods, I'm opening Discord. But guys, I'm really operating on very, very limited real estate right now. No, no, there's no sound right now. <clears throat> Hold on one second. Hold on, ready? Let me just get the Discord up. Uh, all right, hold on. Do, 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 do. All right, here we go, ready? It's playing right now. All right, did anyone hear that? How are we doing on audio on that? 
All right, I'm loud and clear, which is good. Now, remember, there is like a, a five to ten second delay. Okay, no sound. Getty. Getty, Jax, come on. All right, guys. All right, hold on one second. Let me get into how the uh, the sausage is made. Hold on one second. Here, I'll play some background music so this is a little less uh, unappealing to you. Here we go. What's up, Shane? All right, here we go. Oh my gosh, did I really do that? I am such a, fuck, I, God, I am such a security nerd. So I was using this app called Banana Meter. I was using this app called Banana Meter to help me, but once I got the, um, once I got the um, <clears throat> Go XLR mic, because I, because I keep a clean attack surface, I deleted banana meter because I was like, why the hell would I ever need this again? All right, all right, all right. Let's try this. Let's try this. Hmm. Hmm. Oh, you know what? You know what? I think I got it, guys. I have to bring it into the podcast. Okay, hold on one second. Why can't I bring you into the podcast? Oh, you got to be joking me with this. I can't bring you in. Ugh. Stupid. Okay, okay. Well, I got excited for a hot minute there. All right, hold on. Real-time troubleshooting. Stand by. Thanks, Josh. Yeah. Calm down. Calm down. All right, here we go. Um... Okay, stay tuned. I'm working with such... No, no, Josh, that was a hot mess the other day when you were doing that. Um, okay, let me, let me try this. Let me try this, guys. Let's see what happens here. Do-do... Do 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 do. All right. All right. I'm getting yelled at for swearing now. Okay. So let's try this. All right. Do you guys hear that? Did that sound like something? Let me get rid of this. Yep. Anybody hear that? Hold on. Oh my God. First time. First time podcasting. First time ever hosting a podcast, Jerry. Jesus. 
It's Wednesday. From the CISO series, it's cybersecurity headlines. I think we got it. It's Wednesday, August 10th, 2022. Okay, how's the, how's the audio level of it though? Hold on, let me turn off the um, let me turn off the uh, background music. All right, guys, is the volume good? Do you want it louder? Do you want it lower? Like, how's the audio? It's fine. I'm not looking for fine. I'm looking for this is this is good. All right, all right. Okay. So this is obviously going to be a little bit different of a show, but that's fine. So I'm your boy, Getty, reporting live from Vegas. Let's rock and roll. <laughs> Pay no attention to the man behind the curtain. Um, we're just doing AV stuff here. All right, guys, let's get into why you're here. Thank you for being here. Thanks for working with me. Chinese fraudsters target kids playing online games. Chinese scammers are targeting children playing online games with fraudulent promises, including circumventing the nation's three-hour-per-week gaming limit. The fraudsters are friending victims using messaging platforms such as WeChat, then soliciting payments in exchange for extra gaming time, free gaming skins, and free gaming equipment. China's Cyberspace Administration, or CAC, detailed cases highlighting that victims typically utilize their parents' phones to make payments anywhere from $560 up to as much as $1,850. The CAC disclosed that so far this year, it has handled 12,000 acts of online fraud perpetrated against minors. Okay, so this is, a, I guess, a little surprising to me. So some of you may know I am a parent, right? And as a parent, my kids are old enough now, so they play Fortnite and Roblox and Minecraft, much like many of your kids do. And if you don't have kids yet, get ready, because that's what's going to happen, okay? Now, China is typically known for, like, you know, I, I don't want to call it big game hunting, but they're usually doing, like, big, multi-billion dollar, you know, deal. Like, those are the type of things you hear about. And now they're talking about fraudsters. So think of it as, I almost feel like it's... um. It's not petty crime, but it's like, you know, it, there's different kinds of crime, and this is just another one. The fact that they're targeting kids is uh, despicable, but think about our, think about, you know, if you're a criminal, right? Think about your mission. What's your mission? Your mission's to get money. Okay, so who do you target? Who's your mark? Well, if you target like a 30-year-old cybersecurity professional, they're probably not going to fall for as, uh, as easy a crime as a child or an elderly person, right? Now, they're targeting children. Um, I can say with 100% um, personal experience that, you know, my kids run up to me all the time and they're like, Dad, this pop-up commercial that plays in between the apps said if I log in here right now, I get like 10 million free Robux. Or if I log in here right now, I get an exclusive skin. Like, I don't let my kids log into anything, right? I don't let them download anything. I am the, you know, I'm the human technical control uh, using access controls, basically, that allow them uh, to, to, if they need something, they ask for it and we talk through it. And fortunately, because of my background, I'm able to explain to them why this is a fraud and then show them examples of why it's fraud and stuff like that. And they, they appreciate that. They, they, they're pissed that they've actually come to, like, loathe these threat actors because of their fake skins and stuff like this. But just be mindful. If you 
Um, this says China, but I'm telling you, this is happening everywhere, right? It's it's this is all about that metaverse thing, man. Like, like, and and even back in the day with like Ultima Online and World of Warcraft, like digital assets have real world value to some people. So if you can, if you can trick someone into buying something that you actually don't have with real world money, um, that's just fraud 101, right? It's definitely basic fraud. So. Uh, the key takeaway for me, it's less from a practitioner perspective, although I say that and then instantly I have an idea as a practitioner. Um, use this as an opportunity to educate your workforce. A lot of people in the workforce have children. A lot of people have nieces and nephews, right? You can educate them and say, hey, like you don't say, hey, China frauds just target kids. That's not going to really resonate. But if you say, hey, there's an uptick in activity with children being targeted uh, with scams to buy, um, you know, fake online stuff, say Fortnite, Robux, Minecraft. Those are so uh, meta, those games that everybody knows about them. And you could say, hey, listen, like the way fraudsters are doing it is basic. They, they're they going to trick your kids or your nieces and nephews into buying stuff with your credit card, right? Or wasting, you know, you give, you give them a $100 gift card for their birthday and then they blow it instantly on a scam. You don't want that connected with an emotional impact and it will resonate harder and they'll be more cognizant of phishing and stuff like that. Former Twitter employee convicted in Saudi spy case. On Tuesday, a former Twitter employee was convicted of spying for Saudi Arabia. Ahmad Abu Amo, a U.S. resident born in Egypt, maintained that he was simply promoting the social media platform in the Middle East and North Africa. However, the jury was shown that Abu Amo received a Hublot watch and $300,000 in wire transfers in exchange for confidential Twitter account information on Saudi dissidents who criticized the kingdom and its royal family. The bribes came from top aide to Mohammed bin Salman, the now de facto ruler of Saudi Arabia. Abu Amo was found guilty of acting as an agent for Saudi Arabia, money laundering, conspiracy to commit wire fraud, and falsifying documents. He now faces 10, 20 years in prison. Damn. Okay. So um, <laughs> in case you didn't hear, this is basic insider threat. Everybody has a number, right? I don't care how righteous you are. Everybody's got you know personal issues, personal things. Everybody has a number, right? Uh, you know, Sometimes your moral uh, compass, your, your ethical bounds make that number unachievable. But for the most part, this dude was offered 300 grand uh, in order to just dox certain Twitter accounts to, you know, whoever, the, the Saudi royal family or something like that. Obviously, you understand that the, 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 the people who are buying that, they're not buying it so they can get a, a selfie with the owner of the Twitter account, right? They're doing it so they can locate them in real life and have a conversation with them. 1950s mafia style, okay? Since we're in Vegas. Um. You know, I'm glad that uh, Twitter caught this individual. I'm glad that they were brought to justice. Um, I would be, I mean, obviously it's it's very despicable, right, that um, they would do this. But at the same time, um, you know, I guess I'm trying to think of like, I, I guess the real point is the money laundering, right? Like that's what they're going to jail for, money laundering and, and um, other criminal charges. It wasn't so much that they broke... Uh, Twitter's internal employee policy of not doxing um, staff members or, or uh, Twitter account handles. But 
Um, you know, whatever. Insider threat, it's a real thing. It's a very difficult thing. Charles Finfrock, who's come on the show before, he's actually an expert at um, uh, insider threat. So maybe we can bring him on uh, to talk about that. But in, again, insider threat is a real threat. And this is why we have least privilege and um, like access control and, and data classification and stuff. You see it more in national security systems. But the whole reason of least privilege, the whole reason that Carl should only be able to touch whatever, engineering stuff, because Carl works in engineering and not touch HR or payroll or anything like that, is because Carl has no reason to do that. I'll leave you with one uh, great example uh, that many of us know who've been in the industry for a while. And if you're coming up in the industry, this is a fact as much as every Active Directory is a hot mess on fire, what I'm about to tell you is a fact. And if you are interviewing for a job, if you somehow weave this in, they're going to be like, oh, this person gets it. Okay. One of the challenge, one of the things that can lead to insider threat and one of the challenges with managing access is that a lot of businesses, a lot of them, like most of them, they don't, they don't set up roles, right? Like... This is the engineering role. You get access to these engineering resources. So when a new hire comes on, Kevin, they're like, oh, Kevin, here, you're an engineer. Here's the engineering role. Good luck and welcome to the company. What they say is, oh, hey, Kevin, what are you doing here? Or actually, Kevin's manager says, hey, dear HR or IT, Kevin just started on Tuesday. He's going to be working with Carl. Give him the same permissions as Carl because that's easy because he needs to do what Carl's doing. The problem is, and this is where the uh, like the gray beard comes in, the problem is that Carl has worked for the company for 15 years and has worked in special projects and was part of the merger and acquisition in 2014 and you know helped the CEO out at one point with something, right? So basically, people accumulate access, which is another problem. You, access review doesn't happen, but people accumulate access. And then when you say, hey, Kevin just started Tuesday, give him Carl's access. Kevin, who's been there for 15 minutes and a cup of coffee, now has access to like 20 different departments worth of stuff. Obviously, Kevin doesn't know that at the time and may never discover it. It may never be an issue, but it's just sloppy. It's just sloppy. And this happens all the time. I, I like. I, I'm sure there's people in chat saying, preach, or something like that. I can't really see chat right now, but believe me, <laughs> that is a fact. That is a stone cold fact. Come on, where's the audio? Are you serious? What are we doing here? What are we doing here? Come on, bro. Don't tase me, bro. Ugh. From the CISO size the kingdom, the abort, the daughter, the state, the series of being to abortion prosecution. A 17 year old girl and her mother have been charged with a series of felonies and misdemeanors after an apparent at home abortion in Nebraska. The state's case leveraged the teenager's private Facebook messages obtained directly from Facebook by court order. The messages allegedly show the mother and the daughter purchased medication called Pregnat online to induce the abortion. Jessica Burgess was charged with three felonies, including performing an abortion later than the state's 20-week post-fertilization abortion ban, which remains unchanged after the controversial reversal of Roe v. Wade.
Both women were arrested and held on a $10,000 bond, but jail records indicate they've been released. Okay. New Jersey requires threat assessment. Okay, so, um, wow. Okay, guys, um, I'm not going to try to get into the politi- politics of this, but basically these individual, this mother-daughter team were doing unauthorized uh, abortions at their house. They're being charged with felonies. Uh, I don't know if they are qualified, like if she is a, if the mother or the daughter are uh, gynecologists or, yeah, gyneco- or OBGYNs and, and they, le- they medically understand what they're doing, or if they're just hacks who are buying online medication and just inviting people over and feeding it to them and then like hoping it works out. I don't know the details of that. What is interesting is that law enforcement was able to get private messages from Facebook Messenger. So essentially this mother-daughter combo were running their illegal abortion business through Facebook Marketplace or something, right? TLDR on this one, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this one, um, especially because it it really upsets me. Uh, (laughs) 20 weeks is, um, you already know the gender at 20 weeks. So um, your messages on social media platforms are not your messages. If you really want to be secure, you should use a service like Signal or even that, like any third-party service, you have to believe that at some point along the way, it's being stored or it could be, uh, you know, TLS decryption in transit, right? So, so basically, it looks like you have an encrypted connection and you don't because it's, 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 it's decrypted, analyzed, and then re-encrypted on its way out. <clears throat> that, that's the TLDR here. They use Facebook Messenger in order to run their private uh, illegal business. And surprise, surprise, law enforcement got up in there, okay? Threema? Yeah, I've heard of Threema. Telegram or Signal. Um, yeah, b- basically, you know, I, I'm not... Yeah, I don't know them from a hole, <clears throat> hole in the wall, so I don't know their level of intelligence. But de- you you have... T- guys, period, end of story. Third-party services, there is a third party involved in it, right? So depending on your level of confidentiality requirements, guys, hey, GRC for the win, right? You have to do a risk analysis. What is your risk? And then are the controls you're implementing sufficient enough to reduce the risk level to an acceptable level for your business? Just as a perfect use case, they're running a felony level criminal enterprise, right? So those messages and that uh, purchase of the pregnots or whatever, you probably want to not be associated with that. So set up a false business, set up PO boxes, don't open the PO boxes in your own name, get the medicine delivered there, somehow get it, maybe hire someone to do that, right? Now you've removed yourself. Then Facebook Messenger, how about you don't run your your communications of your highly illegal business through Facebook Messenger, right? R- risk risk analysis 101. That won't be in the GRC course because that's ridiculous, but <laughs> that's a risk assessment and a, a legit use case of one. Assessment teams for all school districts. According to a newly signed law, New Jersey school districts, charter schools, and renaissance schools will need to establish threat assessment teams in time for the 2023-2024 school year. Threat assessment teams will provide teachers, administrators, and other staff with assistance identifying students at risk for engaging in violence or other harmful activities and delivering risk management strategies. 
The teams will include a school psychologist or other student counselor, a teacher, senior administrator, and a safety resource who will serve as a liaison to law enforcement. State officials highlight that the aim is to focus on preventative measures to avert dangerous incidents from occurring. Okay, so you know what? I appreciate this. Um, New Jersey, like kids' school shootings, it's out of control in the United States. New Jersey's trying to take a stab at how to fix this, and they're going to do threat assessments, which is basically they're going to identify students who look like they're having problems or based on a psychological eval are having problems, and then I and then do what? <laughs> do what? Like, are they going to ban them from the school? Are they going to make those students particularly walk through a metal detector? Like, with all due respect, I'm sure that there is a plan, but I don't know what it is. Um, but I appreciate it. I, I think that at least that's a better... Like, this is a political position of mine. I feel like that's a better position than arming teachers, right? Like, my 23-year-old... Like, my kid's first grade teacher, who's 23, like, she, I don't think she wants to be, like, packing heat and, like, you know what I mean? She wants to teach kids. <laughs> so, I, you know, whatever. I mean, I think school shootings are absolutely deplorable and a horrible, horrible um, situation. But I appreciate that there's some alternative options here. Um it's not really a cybersecurity story. I mean, I guess they say threat assessment, so maybe it got caught in some type of filter, but it's not really. All right, so let's say thank you to our sponsor really quickly. And now we'd like to thank this week's episode sponsor, EdgeScan. EdgeScan combines full-stack coverage with integrated reporting and business-level prioritization to deliver a single source of truth for your entire vulnerability management program with zero false positives. Hmm. Okay, so I, I'm looking at chat right now really quick. I see people, like Jessica said, it wasn't a highly illegal business. I mean, they got charged with three felonies. So, you know, but I'll go back and look at chat. Um, I am really curious on people's thoughts and perspectives on these things. Uh, it's just difficult for me with my my whole operation. I'm, I'm operating at 80% capacity right now. This is the business continuity plan in motion. Uh, so I, I do appreciate... Oh, oh, I see, Justin. Thank you. Okay, so it was that. It was after the 20 week. That was the law being broken, not the illegal abortions. Okay, uh, or the fact that they were doing it. Okay, I misread it. Well, this is a perfect... I can't change the... Oh, I can. Um, no, I can't change it. Um, this is a perfect opportunity, since this is the mid-roll, to say thank you. Uh, thank you to chat, right? Thank you to chat for saying things like that, like, oh, it's not that. Like, guys, I'm up here hearing the stories the first time you are. I'm... I'm giving it 90% of my attention and 10% is around switching tabs, making the audio right, like reading chat, all these other things, right? So sometimes I get it not great. Sometimes I get it straight wrong. And that brings me to my point where I say thank you to all of you for coming every day and helping um, the discourse, helping the conversation. And I really genuinely appreciate that everybody is supportive and inclusive and having adult conversations, right? No one's flaming anyone for their opinion or thoughts. Second thing I want to say, this is a uh, correction. Okay. So I do this from time to time. Yesterday, I did a story uh, or Monday, I, I think Monday or Tuesday, whatever. If you, if you were with us, one of the stories was about how Microsoft Edge um, is putting in some type of uh, control. I, I don't even remember what it was, honestly, at this point. Um, 
And I flipped out and railed against Microsoft Edge. I said they were late to the party. They should have been doing it from the beginning. Microsoft Edge is only good for downloading a different browser. Okay, these are my, these are my opinions. Uh, a user on YouTube, a member of the Simply Cyber community, Waxingo, wrote a comment. And I read it and I, I wanted to share it with all of you because I find it incredibly true and I need to be held accountable just as much as everybody else. He, pointed, he or she pointed out that in 2020, Microsoft Edge was completely rebuilt from the ground up on the Chromium platform. So it's really not that much different than my, uh, Google Chrome's browser. And that individual is 100% correct. I absolutely forgot that they destroyed Edge and rebuilt it on Chromium. I have such disdain and such years of um, unpleasant experience with Internet Explorer and Microsoft Edge and being kind of hand-jammed Microsoft Edge on a Windows system that it's just dead to me. So I appreciate that they rebuilt it. It's probably a better product. Um, but shout out to Waxingo. Thank you uh, for reminding me. Um, I was just get going all ham on it and spicy and, and uh, did not take... Uh, into account that. So again, thank you uh, to everybody who's part of the community. All right, let's keep rolling. Highly evasive worms spreads over external disks. Cisco researchers have uncovered a pattern of MSIexec.exe usage across different endpoints that they've traced back to the recently discovered malware called Raspberry Robin. Raspberry Robin is a worm that spreads through infected external drives and uses an excessive amount of non-printable characters and changing letter case to avoid string matching techniques. The payload is downloaded from QNAP cloud accounts and then establishes a command and control channel through Tor connections. Cisco researchers recommend monitoring for indicators of compromise, which they've published in their blog. And now it's time for You Should Probably Patch. All right. So, <laughs> so first of all, first of all, um, QNAP, right? If I had the sound effect, if I had my soundboard, you would get the Nelson from The Simpsons. Ha <laughs> ha! That is the QNAP sound. So, no surprise here. Threat actors who have compromised the QNAP NAS devices, which is like in the story every week, <clears throat> have now used them as launch points for distributing their malware. Basically, compromised QNAP devices are a malware distribution um, system. I don't understand if it's using that for the C2 infrastructure as well, or likely it's it's not. Likely it's just pushing the malware and then sending it to some attack-controlled C2 infrastructure. Second thing, Raspberry Robin. This is a... What a great name for a malware. Like I instantly see... The logo, right? You guys know I'm big on logo for vulnerabilities uh, or for malware. Um, usually it's the vulnerability that gets the logo, but th this one's pretty interesting. I didn't really understand what it did. Um, it just spreads from external drives uh, like like QNAP devices and other ones like that. Um, it uses it says it uses an excessive amount of non-printable characters to avoid d string matching techniques. Um, I actually thought it was going to say um, to fuzz devices for some reason, um, which which is a term I really want to wanted to introduce. It's using this to, de to avoid detection, but it didn't really seem clear to me what they're what like what's the point? Like okay, so I have a I have a you know Seagate external hard drive that is compromised because it's got Raspberry Robin worm on it. What what's happening? Am I part of a botnet? Probably probably part of a botnet. Um, but it's an external drive, so it's not I don't know. 
I don't know what the the impact is, but just be mindful that external hard drives are getting compromised and that if you want, you should go to Cisco and get the IOCs. It looks like they have a link directly to their blog, so you can get right to that um, and get the IOCs. IOCs being like IP addresses of C2 infrastructure, hashes of files, um, maybe whatever this Raspberry Robin thing does, um, executable at launches and stuff like that. Uh, you can do that. I, I just want to point out that um, they, they do say it sends a bunch of strings. Uh, that can often be seen in fuzzing. Fuzzing is a technique security researchers use in order to look for security vulnerabilities by sending a bunch of garbage as input into um, a system and see how the system responds. And when I say garbage, I don't just mean like 50 letter A's. Like sometimes you can send Unicode. Sometimes you can send, um, you know, glyphs and stuff like that. Random stuff. So let, let me see what chat's saying here. Okay. Okay, there we go. Oh my God, this is the most fickle, fickle podcast website thing. From this... There we go. And now it's time for You Should Probably Patch That. Microsoft's August 2022 Patch Tuesday includes fixes for the actively exploited dog walk zero-day vulnerability tracked as CVE-2022-34713. It's a flaw in Microsoft's Windows Support Diagnostic Tool, MSDT, allowing for remote code execution. Yesterday's update addresses a total of 121 flaws, 17 of which are classified as critical as they allow remote code execution or elevation of privileges. Additionally, VMware has issued a fix to address a critical authentication bypass vulnerability that has publicly available exploit code. The bug, tagged as CVE-2022-31656, affects VMware Workspace ONE Access, Identity Manager, and vRealize Automation. Okay. So, in case, they call it a dog walk vulnerability, but guys, uh, it's the Microsoft diagnostic tool. It's, it's the whole thing that allowed you to get past macro, like tricking end users into running malware through Microsoft Office documents. Um, th like they basically have, I didn't realize it was called dog walk, which uh, by the way, another great name. Like I want to go, I want to find the think tank of people coming up with these names, Raspberry Robin, think, uh, dog walk. These are great. Um, I want to be in on those like brainstorming sessions, but long story short, Microsoft has released a patch. I strongly encourage you Look at it and deploy it into your organization as soon as possible. I'm going to apply it to this workstation right here if it's not already on it. I don't know if it's coming in a roll-up or not, but basically macro macros are a great way for threat actors to run code on your box. They, th they send it through phishing emails, right? So high, high success rate. Since Microsoft has basically nerfed macros, um, threat actors have quickly found this remote desktop or remote diagnostic tool and they're leveraging that. And we're seeing a huge uptick in it and successful hits, right? So if you can stop that attack vector, you're you're gonna like kneecap the threat actors. Um, so I think that that's a really um, that's really great for us as defenders, right? We're like the end we're protecting the endpoints significantly. So definitely check that out. All right. Danish Slurpee supply threatened by cyber attack. On Monday, 7-Eleven stores in Denmark were forced to shut down after a cyber attack disrupted store payment and checkout systems throughout the country. 
The company issued a statement on Facebook which read, quote, Unfortunately, we suspect that we have been exposed to a hacker attack today, Monday, 8 August 2022. This means that we cannot use checkouts and or receive payment. We are therefore keeping the stores closed until we know the extent, end quote. The nature of the attack has not yet been disclosed, but we can only hope that the Danes are not deprived of brain freeze for too much longer. You know, I get that it's like a punchline, the whole brain freeze thing, but that sucks. This right here is the real impact. This is a perfect case study. You might want to bookmark this one, okay? Especially since it's kind of funny because it's 7-Eleven. Um, this place got hit by ransomware. This is why Barricade Cyber Solutions exists, right? Like this is why I like uh, partnering with them and sponsoring the stream. This business cannot take credit cards, right? They cannot take payment, period. They cannot sell their wares to customers. They don't... Listen, you don't go and fill up a Slurpee and grab some Slim Jims at the counter and then they invoice you and you have net 30 terms to pay it back, right? They need that cash money right now. Straight cash, homie. Their business is crippled and until they get it fixed... They're not making money. This is ser like serious financial impact. How long? I mean, 7-Eleven's a Goliath, so maybe longer than most. But how long could your business go? <laughs> if your business takes payments from customers, not businesses, how long could you operate without any revenue being generated? It's a serious question. And you can use this story as a um, jumping off point at a brainstorming session with people right? Business leaders, et cetera. And then maybe you call Barricade Cyber and say, hey, like, let's bring them in on this conversation. doesn't cost us anything to have a conversation, but it will cost us if we don't have a plan when we get hit with ransomware, right? So sucks. It sucks. It sucks. Ransomware sucks. I'll just put it that way. Okay. Also, just a fun fact that something you'll never unsee you ever notice that 7-Eleven, the 11, it's written in all capital letters except the N at the end. It's lowercase n. I don't understand why they did that. I like structure and organization, and that just doesn't make any sense to me. Google, Google 7-Eleven image. You'll see what I mean. It doesn't make any sense. Scientists use ink to hide encrypted version of classic novel. Scientists from the University of Texas at Austin sent a groundbreaking letter to colleagues in Massachusetts. The letter was penned in special ink, which concealed a very special hidden message, an encrypted text file of L. Frank Baum's classic novel, The Wonderful Wizard of Oz, as well as a copy of The Key to Decrypt It. The ink was laced with synthetic polymers, which the scientists used to store the data. DNA has long been considered a front-runner for storage due to a single gram having the ability to store 1 billion terabytes or 1 zettabyte of data. However, scientists have sought a non-biological alternative. Co-author of UT's research, Eric Anslin, said the breakthrough represents, quote, a revolutionary scientific advance in the area of molecular data storage and cryptography, end quote. Um, I, I'm a little... I'm a little confused. Um, they wrote it in a special ink that was made of a polymer, polymer, which was used to store the data. So, I, I mean, they say the DNA can store stuff. That's really interesting. I don't know if the synthetic polymer, polymer was like DNA, but um, what, whatever. 
Um, very interesting. Like I appreciate the research that they're doing here. Um, here, let me get let me get this going really quickly. I appreciate the research they're doing here, but um, we're a million miles off. I will tell you that I have heard of you know people saying, oh, like DNA can store all this data, but we're getting into like real deal biohacking there. If you're going to start like reading and writing data to people's DNAs. Um, I don't fully understand it, honestly. Like, I wonder if it's like, um, like in between the, 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 the code of the DNA. So you don't, so you can store it, but you, but you're not going to like disrupt the individual's DNA. I will say that I've, I've heard of, um, these slicer, I think they're called slicer programs, like, or splicer, whatever people are, are working on, like editing DNA and it's like, oh, I could edit this. And all of a sudden you have superpowers. The research that I have seen, they edit like one chromosome, like one single, you know, T and they change it to a D or whatever, like one single piece. And like the whole, the whole pig or the whole mouse, whatever comes out completely jacked up. Like not, it doesn't have like super flight. It has like, you know, it's missing organs and stuff like that. So that, that, that technology to be able to like edit. Yeah. CRISPR. Thanks, Ben. Like, the, the, the idea behind it seems like fa fantastic that you could just like edit in or edit out. I think this is the way they're going to pitch it. Edit out disease, edit out pre-existing conditions, hereditary things. But obviously, dude, the money, the money is in making super soldiers, right? And I hate to sound like a ridiculous tinfoil hat Avengers guy, but like think about where the money's coming from and think about... The 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 the, the uh, atomic bomb, as a military technology advantage, what it ended a war. It ended one of the biggest wars in the world instantly. Well, not instantly, but like relatively quickly compared to the length of the war and all that stuff. Right? If you could crisp up a bunch of Captain Americas, right? So, anyways, we're a million miles from that. The whole story is about encoding DNA uh, with data, synthetic polymers. It, it's interesting, but we'll see. We'll see. I feel, I feel like we're not. I, I feel like hard drives are not a constraint right now, right? Like you can go out to Best Buy or Amazon and buy like a two terabyte hard drive for a couple hundred bucks. So like, it's not that's not like a rare asset that we got to figure out and solve for. Like, oh, where are we going to store all the data? How about DNA? Like that could solve the data crisis. That's not a problem right now. So, uh, that's my one thought on that. Guys, I want to remind, uh, remind you, um, first of all, thank you all for watching the sunrise with me back here. I want to remind all of you that later today, so in um, two hours, like two, two hours, two and a half hours, I will be on a panel uh, presented by Trend Micro. Uh, they've moved the location again. So if you're actually here, uh, you can attend it, okay? So Trend Micro, they're doing a panel that I'm on. Uh, it's called Metaverse or Metaverse, and it's basically a 45-minute open discussion with three or four industry professionals around cybersecurity concerns in the Metaverse. It'll be a much larger talk than what I gave last week uh, on cyber in the Metaverse because we'll start getting into privacy, regulations, um, you know, data in person, obviously cyber attacks and stuff like that. Um, but it will be fun. It will be cool. If you want to attend... Uh, my understanding now is that it will be in the business hall, wherever the Trend Micro booth is, 
and uh, we'll be sitting up there doing, you know, talking into a mic and throwing it around. It will be live streamed on Simply Cyber's YouTube channel. There is not a coming soon promo card for it. It will just happen at um, at 9 a.m. Pacific, noon Eastern. Okay, so if you want to check that out, that's expect that to happen. Also at 12:30 local time, so 3:30 p.m. Eastern time. I will be going live again with Clint Bow Dungeon, this time in a threat gen capacity. Um, and we have a big announcement. So we're gonna, we're, Clint and I are gonna go live. This one is scheduled. So if you go to youtube.com slash threat gen or do exclamation point threat gen in chat, you'll get to it. But this one, uh, Clint and I are gonna give some early reflections on Black Hat. I, I, this one isn't related to Black Hat, but I will never stay at Paris again. I'm staying at Paris right now. Bad OPSEC, I know, but. I got pissed last night and I'm never going to stay here again, but that's a story for a different day. So early reflections and then really a huge reveal of something that's going to be massive, uh, kind of two things, but they're, they're tied together. That's going to be what I think is massive, especially since I've been like spearheading it um, kind of on the side. So uh, hopefully you can join us for that. That's going to be a renegade pop-up. You think this is renegade pop-up? <laughs> What we're doing later today, we don't know where we're going to be. We don't know how the audios are going to be. And I'm not saying like renegade pop-up bad production style. I'm saying there's going to be people. It might be one of those on-site reporting where people jump in and, and like interrupt us and we have to like mush their face out of the way. I don't know. BSEC, don't get any ideas. Okay? Yeah, it is a story for the meetup. And just as another one, guys, real quick, if you are interested, Simply Cyber community members, there's 160 of us in here right now. Uh, on Saturday at 3.30 p.m. local time, Vegas time, we will be meeting at Beer Park, which is connected to Paris, um, for a meetup. So if you want to come hang out, it'll be the end of the week. I'll be uh, ready, to, ready to have a beer and chill. Uh, so please come on out if you can. Uh, good luck, everybody. I have a great day. Um, just so you know, I, I, Eric Taylor did extend an offer to me to uh, run the daily cyber threat briefing for me this week. I did want to try today. I, I do think the production value is kind of janky. Um, it might be even 60% quality, not 100, uh, 80%. So I may reach out to Eric and actually have him. So the good news is no matter what, you will have the daily cyber threat briefing. It just may not be two thumbs and smiles or one thumb and smiles, this guy, all right? Guys, have a great day, everybody. Thank you for being here. Thank you. Uh, for all you do for the community. I hope you feel equipped and ready to rock and roll for your day. If you got interviews coming up because you're breaking in or you're pivoting in, uh, best wishes. This is definitely going to help you kick butt. I'm going to grab another cup of coffee. I hope to bump into you. If you see me wandering around today, say hi. Give me a high five. We'll do some selfies. Take care, everybody. Thank you so much. We'll see you later.